Every year, there are over 250,000 deaths from medical errors in the United States. And in his 30 years of practice at over 70 facilities, Daniel West has seen patients from 25 to 93 have their quality of life destroyed. And now Daniel has written an important new book, Falling Through the Cracks, to help you know where these risks are in the healthcare system. At some stage, Daniel guarantees a member of your family will need hospital care. Learn to know what to look for and what questions to ask to make sure your family member does not fall through the cracks. Daniel, what are some of the most egregious things you've seen done to patients in healthcare setting? The two most egregious things I saw was is literally the, the death of two patients in skilled nursing facilities that happened because of the pursuit of profit um, for the company. One patient uh, dislocated her hip um, and she had, uh, had had a stroke, and so she was um, uh, expressive aphasia. Had expressive aphasia. She was unable to speak and let people know of the discomfort that she was in. Uh, and the two therapists who were treating her, one day she was walking 50 feet with the walker. The next day she couldn't get out of bed. They kept on treating her for three more days, completely unaware or, un- or unwilling to see that the fact her hip was halfway up the side of her body. Uh, until I came along and and suddenly realized, my God, this this is the reason why this woman suddenly stopped getting out of bed and walking three days ago. But they had kept her in the facility rather than sending her to a hospital to fix that because of the fact that the nursing home gets paid only from the patient being in the um, in the nursing home. And so they kept on kept her on on treatment, kept her on, on on schedule, more concerned with making money from her than they were about her quality of life or her care. And she went to the hospital. She never came back. So is this why you wrote the book about the unseen, unknown sides of rehab and hospital care? Every patient I see, I think, if that was my mother and my father um, on the other side, what would I want done to them to to make them uh, uh, have the best quality of life and and to be the healthiest uh, that they could be? And when you see every patient through that prism, you suddenly are very aware of of the mistakes that are made, the, the lack of care that is provided, the the glossing over of, of important things just because it takes too much time or it takes too much effort from someone to put in. Um, and it's really very frustrating and very annoying. And I'm sure there are thousands of listeners here who would have experiences of very easy to say, yes, the, the, the doctor was in the room for five seconds and walked out. Yes, the therapist didn't get my mother out of out of bed. And, and to be aware that it's okay to, to, and the need, you need to stand up because it is, it is almost designed in the healthcare system that, that the, the more patients that fall through the cracks, the more money it makes and the easier it is for the system to function. It sounds like one of the reasons that you're so successful in helping these patients walk is that you believe it. Even if they don't believe it and the other people on the team don't believe it, you you give them that extra boost of energy based on your internal belief that they will and can walk. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've tried to thought of a word um, that would that sums up what it is I'm giving the patients, and it is literally, it all comes down to will. Um, if a patient doesn't have the will to get better, I need to have the will to get better. If the patient has the will to get better, and I have the will to help them, then the, the, the sky is the limit. Um, if I provide my will and the patient doesn't gather any will at the other end, then eventually the patient will fail, um, and and you know there's nothing that that ultimately I can do. Um, but it's amazing how many, when you, when you apply the will and determination to how many people, and most people will respond to that uh, in quite in quite amazing uh, fashion. Um, and, and that's where I get my thrill from, working in uh, in this field. 
what personal experiences helped shape how you work so successfully as a rehab practitioner? One of the funniest things that, that uh, stories that I have is when I was in grade 10 in science class, my uh, my lecturer, or the, the, the teacher who was from Canada, told us a story about a group of researchers in Antarctica that found a petrel, a bird that had broken its wing on the ice shelf, and they brought it back inside, and they looked after it, and they cared for it, and they nursed it back to health, and they helped its wing, wing uh, heal. Um, and then finally, after a couple of months, they were like satisfied that the bird would be able to survive. They took the bird outside, they let it free, the bird flew out of their hands and dropped dead. All the care that they had provided had basically taken away its ability to function in its natural environment. So even though they provided amazing care, the end result is it was the end of the quality of life of that, of that bird's life. And that is what you see a lot of in, in healthcare. That's the way the healthcare system is designed. The healthcare system is designed to take you out of the out of the cold, keep you in a nice warm environment, and when you leave, if you die, if you can't function, that's that's of no concern to anyone um, in the healthcare field. And and that's what drives me to make people understand that you, you need to be very aware of your responsibilities to take care of yourself. It sounds like you believe that the person you're caring for has a role to play as well. That they they have all the role to play. If I am an expert in in physical rehabilitation and an expert in exercise, but if I can't make a patient do one push up, then my knowledge is essentially useless, because physical therapy and rehabilitation is the only discipline in medicine where it's active on the patient's part. It's not passive. Everything else, a doctor gives you pills. A doctor will will do tests for you. The nurse will come and and give you food and put the pills in your mouth. Therapy is the only discipline that actually make the patients have to do something for themselves. And so that is very important. When, when, when therapy is treated like all the other disciplines in, in terms of I will do something for the patient, then the patient will suffer because you have to be able to move yourself. I can't make you move. You, the patient has to move themselves. So when my job is to, is to make people very aware, there's, there's a very limited amount that I can do. All I can do is get you, inspire you to be up moving, but, but you've got to take everything from that point. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Give me some of the tips, some of the common examples of how uh, patients and their caregiving family members can fall through the cracks in hospitals or rehabs and what we can do about it. Um, well, it, 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 it's very – probably the single best uh, example would be from the um, – uh, I, had a, I had a patient I once saw who was a 23-year-old boy, had come into hospital – the day before, not feeling very well. The therapist had said, he was a very, very big guy, 240 pounds. The therapist was a small little girl and she had said, you know what, stay in bed. I'm a little bit too scared to get you out of bed because you're so big. So the guy stayed in bed. I came and saw him the next day and the nurse was like, you really need to get this guy out of bed. There's no reason for a 23-year-old to be lying in bed for 24 hours. I stood the guy up, walked him to the, to the door of the room. He was like, oh, I feel a little bit off. So I said, okay, yeah, rather strange that a 23-year-old would feel off and not want to be running down the hall. So I said, turn back, let's go back to bed. Took two steps back, fell over, dead. Um, he had a blood clot uh, developed from the 24 hours of being in bed. So my first and best advice to everyone is, what excuse would you ever give, let your parents have to stay in bed for 24 hours knowing they could get a blood clot and the next day they not be, may not be with you anymore? You, you want to insist your family members are up and moving 
every single day they're in a hospital, every single day they're in a nursing home and watching whether the staff are facilitating that because that is the single most important thing to make sure that your family member doesn't fall through the cracks. That, that would, would sum it up very succinctly. Patients, the human body needs to be out of bed. It needs to be moving. If it's left in bed, you are essentially taking one step towards, uh, uh, towards the grave. What steps can you take if you feel that your loved one's not getting the proper appropriate care in hospital rehab, uh, you, you, I would raise hell um, because it really is. It, do not be, do not be ashamed about it. Do not be embarrassed about it. Um, we, we have the designation in all the places I've worked that someone will be VIP, which essentially means VIP means their family members complained loud enough to administration or to, the, to the, the head of the rehab department that they now have to be seen every day, although we have to pay extra attentive care to them. Normally in a hospital, you, you may be seen for less than 30 minutes. I've had patients been, been, have to be forced to go and see patients up to three hours a day because the family have demanded um, that care. Um, that, that, that to me is, I mean, there is no, no need for someone to be seen for three hours. You're not going to, if you can't accomplish something in 30 minutes, you're not going to accomplish anything in three hours. Um, but you, you can, you need to be very aware that, that, that allowing the, the system say, no, no, it's okay to leave your family member in bed from a, from a functional standpoint, from a physical therapy standpoint is, is the worst thing. And you need to take whatever steps you can with, with, with uh, going up through the chain of command and hustle to make sure that that is rectified. Daniel, what's the one most important piece of advice you'd like to share with family caregivers? You're doing an amazing job that I can tell you there are many people that, that bring their family members to a, to a hospital and then they leave and they just, they, they just dump them um, there. And it is, it is hard work in the hospital and we're, we're seeing patients for, for a few days and then they're going back to their family and we know the amount of care that has to be provided and I have all the respect and all the, the admiration in the world for, for, for caregivers. Make it easy on yourself. By, that's that's the, in the end the goal. You, you're doing yourself a favour by keeping your, your, your family member mobile because if, if, if they're getting up and going to the toilet, that's, that's a huge difference than if they were left in bed and now they've got to be soiled and changed there. That simple little little ease of, of, of action can mean all the world in, in, in the stress levels and, and, and the ability to function during the day for a, for a caregiver. And you see it in the hospital. They come to the hospital, the nurses don't have the time to take them to the, pay, to, to the toilet, so they leave them in the bed, they put diapers on them or they stick a towel between their legs and very soon the patient is now incontinent and then they discharge them back to the family and now the family has to deal with that, with that issue because it's not the hospital job and it's, it's that's not a medical error. That patient has just fallen through the cracks. By preventing your, your family member ending up having to be in, a, in, in the situation where they're at the mercy of the hospital system is always the best way of, of, of preventing problems occurring that can be detrimental to the, their quality of life.